That's very interesting. Lock Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. engineer sure loves that music. Welcome to the show. Uh, you, know, you know, you can't uh, bribe your way onto this show, but I have to tell you today, I got the most unusual uh, email sent across my de- desk a few couple of weeks ago and said that they would send me a pizza. Well, I said, I'll never turn down a pizza. I thought it was a clever promotion. Uh created by a very clever PR firm. And, and strangely enough, uh, our guest, uh, Scott Benedict, today is, is with Sam's Club. And I, I, I said I had to find out the connection between the pizza and Sam's Club and what, what they're going through. Uh, but before I even got back to them, I saw that Sam's Club is going in a, into a whole new direction, and we asked Scott to join us today. Scott, welcome to the show. Don, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and, and chatting with your listeners about serving small businesses. Well, as we do with all our guests, first tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott, and what you do, and then we'll go on, uh, on to other things. Sounds good. Well, I've uh, been uh, had the, the pleasure of being with Sam's Club now for around 13, 14 years. Uh, have served the company in a couple of different roles. Uh, spent time in our international division. Uh, was the senior merchant over our consumer electronics areas. So I was one of the people who picked the televisions that we sold uh, in, in our, our club locations. Uh, and uh, spent also some time in our e-commerce business before, about a year ago, uh, joined a, a new team that we were forming called Member Services. And, and in this role, my team and I get to work on how we can serve our members better uh, with, uh, with a number of different service offerings that uh, are really intended to add not only a lot of value uh, for our members, but uh, to also make our membership card uh, hopefully the most valuable membership card uh, in their wallet. So I've been working on that for a little over a year now and really have had a lot of fun finding out how we could serve small businesses. And uh, we've brought a lot of things uh, now to bear uh, for them and, and are now enjoying talking about uh, them and telling the story about them. Okay. So tell your story. <laughs> Well, I think it starts with uh, the, the broader story of Sam's Club. Uh, you know, a lot of people know uh, may know that we serve over 600,000 business owners and entrepreneurs across the country every week in our club locations and on samsclub.com. 
and we're always looking for ways to to provide value uh, to them. And normally that's been really about the the great merchandise that we sell in our locations. But uh, we've realized uh, a few years ago that there were other ways that we might uh, serve uh, our members better, and particularly uh, our small business members. And, and we, so we did a lot of research to learn what were they needing, what, how could we help them, and how could we become a more valuable part uh, of their business. And that's really led us to, to where we are today and our recent launch of a, of a portfolio of different services intended to add additional value uh, for them and help serve them in an even deeper way than we have uh, throughout our history. Well, what do you perceive are the needs of small businesses? Well, I'll tell you, Don, we we don't we didn't want to just leave it to perceptions. We've actually employed a lot of different uh, research to really get at the heart of where we thought small businesses needed help. And saving time and saving money are, are really two of the headliners in that area. And we've always been devoted to, to saving them money on products that they purchase from us. But that, that desire to save extends into services as well. Uh, small business operators are extremely time starved and so being efficient with their time and taking some of the, the, the drudgery behind some of the back office functions uh, of their business is also key. Saving uh, saving effort and looking for ways to make the, their business and their life easier so that they can focus on what they enjoy, which is running their business and, and serving their customers. Also helping them adjust to, to changes in the marketplace. How you market a small business today has really, really changed from what it was as recently as just five years ago. And the days of hanging an open sign in the front window and putting an ad in the newspaper or in, a, in the yellow pages are are really not going to get it done today. And so their needs there have changed, and we want to be there to help them with with that uh, with their needs in 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 the digital age. So. How do you help them, and how is it better than, say, someone else? Mm-hmm. Well, how is is based in, in in research, as I mentioned, and so we we looked for areas where we felt like they had the the, the greatest need, and and we we found a couple areas where where there was really need to be a focus. I mentioned marketing in the digital age. How do you get customers? How do you leverage websites or social media or email to help grow your business? That's one great example. There's financial needs. Go ahead. You mean I can go to Sam's Club now and get help for my small business? In what way? Well, so I'll I'll stay with that example of of marketing. We talked about the fact, uh, I mentioned that, that marketing in the digital age is very different than it has been. One of the things that we found is that more than half of the small businesses that we've surveyed don't have a, a digital presence, don't have a website, aren't present in, in in social media, and aren't really using the tools that consumers are using to research solutions for, for what they're needing. So they're not present in the digital space. And so the ability to assess how their business is portrayed online, or even if their business is portrayed online, and then provide them tools to be able to get their business promoted, to show up in search results, to be part of a consumer's consideration set is is, is key. So in that example, we've partnered with a company called Web.com, who 
we really have enjoyed working with because they share our passion for serving uh, small businesses. They've come up with a, a great and simple tool, an online uh, business assessment that we can work with a small business and if they'll tell us a little bit about themselves and they will use this tool to not only see how a specific business is being portrayed online, but also how their competitors are being portrayed. Do they show up in search results? Is the address of their business correct? Is their phone number correct? And are they getting positive reviews or are there maybe some negative reviews out there that they would want to know about so that they could act upon? That's just an example of how uh, this partnership with, with a provider like web.com is helping us to serve their needs in, in growing their business and growing their customer base. But, but do I go to your website or I go to the Sam store? And well, you, you can do either, but I think the easiest solution is, is going to, to our website and going to samsclub.com, uh, and then we've got a page called uh, Member Benefits, and they can learn more about it there. Or uh, they can just uh, type in uh, slash um, uh, web.com and they will end up on a page that tells them all about it. We've also got toll-free phone support. So if they want to talk to a person and learn more, they can engage that way as well. So you're, in effect, uh, becoming a partner with a certain group of, uh, of value-added uh, providers and, and yeah, are absolutely. There benefits financially for doing it to you rather than going to them directly. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, that's that's a critical part of of what we've tried to do is not just find these great partnerships and leverage these great services. We want to do that. But if you're a Sam's Club member, you expect that uh, being uh, part of this is, is offering great value. And so we've negotiated some great deals with each of these partners, whether it's web.com or one of the other partners that we have, so that not only are you uh, getting supported with a great and relevant service, but you're getting a Sam's Club value to boot that is exclusive to us and isn't available in the, in the general uh, marketplace. So that's that's part of how we wanted to, to serve them and save them money as well. Well, uh, give us an, uh, another tool, a uh, partner that you have. Sure. I, I think one we're particularly passionate about right now is a partnership with a company called First Data. First Data has a lot of expertise in the areas of debit and credit card payments, and so many businesses use uh, debit and credit cards machines uh, to, to accept payments from their customers. And that's one of the key costs of operating their small business. In fact, every swipe of the card counts. And if you can lower the cost of those transactions, that's one area that we can help. And we've negotiated great rates for our members through First Data. But beyond just the cost, I will tell you that this transition that we're seeing in the business to EMV technology, and some of your listeners may have heard of this, this is the, the chip card technology that I think you hear so much about uh, these days. One of the things we found that a lot of small businesses do not know is that come October 1st of this year, if they don't convert their payment processing uh, to EMV technology, liability for any theft or, or, or fraud isn't the responsibility of the banks any longer. It falls to the business. And so this is, this is kind of an important uh, 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 news story that I don't think a lot of small businesses completely understand that, that 
this technology is out there. The benefit of it is that it can protect you in ways that uh, magnetic strip cards uh, and magnetic strip readers could not in the past, but that this move uh, there is becoming much more important because liability will now shift to them. Well, that's something that uh, I've heard about, we've had in this program, but it's worth repeating. So that was that's that alone is worth your visit. So tell us another <laughs> one. Well, I think uh, in addition to that, I think one of the things that uh, we've heard from a lot of uh, small business operators is the administration of, of of payroll, paying their their employees. We call, by the way, we call our employees associates in our company. But whether whatever you call them, paying your your team is 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 not only uh, a function that takes a lot of time and effort uh, out of their day, but it has to absolutely be done right because. If you don't file taxes with the IRS properly for your uh, employees, it really can come back and hurt you later on. And so we partner with a company called ExecuPay, and, and, and we're really proud of our partnership with them. And they've got a great solution uh, that is not only very easy to get started, and one of the, the differentiators on that program that we've negotiated is that when you when you engage with a lot of payroll providers, in many cases they make you go and enter all of your employees' relevant uh, personal information, their social security number, address, et cetera. They enter that into a system, and that takes a lot of time at the start of of of, of using a new payroll provider. ExecuPay does that for you. So under the heading of saving time and effort. They make the transition process, the onboarding process, very easy. But when, once you're onboarded with them, not only have we negotiated a great rate, an industry-leading rate uh, for payroll processing, but it is so incredibly simple. You can pay your employees from your desktop computer or from a mobile device, uh, including a mobile phone. And so it's, it's not only less expensive and very comprehensive, it's so incredibly simple. That lets you then put time and effort back into growing your business and taking care of your customers because that back office function is now become just a very, very small and inexpensive part of your day. So we're particularly proud of that one, and, and we're seeing a lot of our businesses sign up for that program. Well, having just done that for a, a foundation that we run, I can tell you that, that was a real pain, putting everybody up on, on that system. Mm-hmm. It, it was a pain. We heard that in our research that that getting started was was probably the most difficult part. And then once a, a new payroll system is is up and going, it 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 also could become very painful. And so we love not only the level of service ExecuPay offers, but they're backed by some great technology. And that's an underlying theme in all of our partners that we want to make sure we bring to bear the best technology that simplifies their life. It makes them more efficient, and this is just a great example of, of that. Well, you talk about it. What was the process you went through in deciding on your partners? And- Absolutely. So I think the, the important thing that, that we did is, is, is we started with listening, and you've heard me reference a lot of research that went into what were the services that, that our small business uh, members needed. And so... What we chose to do is, is to listen and to learn and to understand where their needs were. Once we, we settled on the key areas where they needed help and focus, and I've, I've mentioned some of them, whether it's marketing or HR or some of the technology back office functions, 
then we set out to, to find the best partners who could provide not only the best service uh, for our members, but uh, who could offer them and was willing to offer them a great value exclusively for our members. And so that process took a number of months and, 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 and was very, very comprehensive. And we landed on a great, uh, not only a great selection of, of, of services, but also the kind of value that Sam's Club members really have come to count on for us. And so we feel very proud of what we have to offer now. Well, I saw in the Wall Street Journal recently that uh, Sam's Club is, in effect, uh, changing, uh, attempting to attract a different demographic. Mm -hmm. Is this part of that program? Well, I think that's that's something that it, it, it's it's interesting that you bring that, this up, and and our desire to serve uh, our members has has always been at the root of of what Sam's Club stood for. But I think one of the, the points in that article is that it felt like that that fo some folks perceived that we were just a warehouse version of a Walmart. And the fact is, our members are very different. Do they shop at Walmart also? Absolutely, but. We are really very focused on serving small businesses and serving entrepreneurs and serving large families. And, and, and so we, we every now and again kind of have to take a temperature reading and say, are we really staying true to what we, what we intended, what Mr. and Sam intended for this business when Sam's Club was first founded? And I think what you've read and heard about recently is us continuing to relook and rededicate ourselves to focusing on that demographic, we're proud to be part of Walmart. Don't 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 misunderstand that. But we want to make sure that we're not trying to serve the the, the same or an overlapping uh, member base. But we want to serve the broadest uh, population that we possibly can between Walmart and Sam's Club. And again, our focus really is on serving a small business, and that's a little bit different than Walmart's approach. So, well, that's very different. I have to tell you, uh, my perception of, of Sam's Club, and in preparation for this uh, interview, I, I went to, uh, there's a Sam's Club next to Walmart near us, and I went, and um, uh, you, you start certainly starting to do things differently. It, it just, when I went there originally, it, it just looked like a big warehouse. Mm -hmm. I noticed you're going through changes. Mm -hmm. um, so... I, again, uh, there's an old saying: you either uh, grow and change or die. Mm -hmm. so I guess you're now in that process of growing and changing. Absolutely, and always listening to our members and learning how we can serve them better. Now, a small business: do they have to get a small business card, or just uh, one member has to be a, a member of Walmart? Uh, so our, our business memberships uh, do require you to be a, a, a licensed uh, business entity. Uh, they're, they're $45 per year for a business membership. We also offer our members a, a plus membership that has additional value uh, for $100 per year. And uh, among the things that we've done in our, in our services programs is we've tried to make sure that whatever great value that we offer in each of these services, and we're very proud, we have even deeper value for our, uh, for our PLUS members in, in exchange for their, for their membership. So that's part of our, uh, our focus and making sure that we add value to memberships. But 
really a small business can can sign up and become a member for as little as $45, and it's as easy as visiting their local club or visiting samsclub.com and uh, clicking on the membership button, and they can get signed up right away. Scott, it's been a, a pleasure talking with you tonight. I hope our audience uh, learned something, if nothing else, about the, the coming change in the credit card uh, responsibility. Absolutely. So, and if, if they want to learn more, Don, they just have to go to samsclip.com slash benefits, and each of our programs, including uh, more information about EMV, is available on that website, and we're happy to, to share that information with them. Scott, really, thank you for being with us, and we'll invite you back in the new year to see how things are going. We'd love to do it, Don. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. Thank you, sir. Our next guest is is Russ Finley of Hiscock, and they just had an interesting study, and Russ, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Don. I appreciate it. No, I found your study uh, fascinating. I don't want to get into it, but first, Russ, tell us a little bit about yourself personally, so our audience has a little feel for you. Sure. Um, I joined uh, I joined Hiscox about uh, about two years ago. My my professional background has always been in sales and marketing. Started my career at uh, at Unilever, a big consumer packaged goods company. I went from there to PepsiCo. I uh, spent uh, about nine years there. I was chief marketing officer of Major League Soccer, and then I came to, uh, to Hiscox. I've been married for for 21 years. Uh, my wife and I live in Connecticut. We have uh, three kids, two in college and one one yet to go. Oh, boy. Little... You went from uh, package from consumer goods over to, to Hiscox. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it may, it, may, it may seem like a, like a strange like a strange route uh to, to be honest with you, Donna, maybe your listeners have this have, have the same feeling, but but there is uh, there is a thread of consistency, which is uh, really about uh, about the consumer. For, firstly, um, about the desire to to serve the consumer and be uh, and help them find answers to to, to their to their um, to their business needs, and then also um, much like the insurance market, where it goes to it goes to market primarily through a, a, a group of distributors uh, called insurance brokers. Uh, Pepsi and Coke and a lot of the other beverage brands go to market through a set of distributors called called bottlers. Uh, when I was at Major League Soccer, the consistency is we went to market through a number of teams, and, and the and the the the, uh, the owners were essentially like distributors and uh, and, and bottlers. So, so very very familiar with uh, with a distributed um, uh, product model, uh, and I and I really do enjoy. Uh, serving the needs of the of the country's consumers, so it was an easy change to easy change to make. Uh, the, the company is fantastic, and, and they've got a great product set. And uh, also, what drew me to the to this company was the was the small business aspect to it. And I grew up uh, in New Hampshire, and my mother owned a, a bookstore, so certainly a small business owner. My father was a businessman; he also was a farmer, and, and had uh, and grew crops for uh, for small local restaurants and so forth. Uh, when I married my wife, she owned and operated a restaurant, um, and, uh, and a number of people in her family are uh, all small business owners themselves. And uh, my wife and I um, own uh, a small business uh, today. So, 
So that, that part was easy. It was a real, uh, real strong uh, lure to come to uh, to come to Hiscox and help them advance uh, small business insurance for for America's um, small business owners. Well, um, tell us a little bit about Hiscox. Am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, Hiscox uh, with an X. Um, they are a 115-year-old uh, uh, British insurance company. Got their roots um, out of Lloyd's of London. We still run a portion of, of our business through Lloyd's of London today, which is uh, an insurance marketplace. We've been writing business uh, in, in America for probably 40 years. We've, uh, we'll celebrate uh, early next year 10 years of having, uh, having offices in the, in the U.S., we we write uh, a lot of small business uh, insurance. We've been doing that for a, a long, long time. We do it uh, here in the U.S. Obviously, we also do it over in Europe. Um, we do it in the, in the United Kingdom. So we've got a deep a deep experience doing that. Uh, in addition to the small business insurance, we also are one of the world's largest underwriters of media and entertainment insurance. So the uh, commercials that you'll see on television, some of the major motion pictures that are out in theaters, we would we would underwrite the risk of making those things. And then we do a, a number of other um, uh, general liability uh, insurance products for um, for for various industries. Well, that uh, the film industry must be an interesting one. Uh, underwriting films must be really interesting. It, it it is um, small businesses is is, uh, is equally interesting because um, it's so it's 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 complex. There's a lot of different uh, types of businesses out there. The film industry is is, is unique. You know, we 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 insure the the production side. We also insure the liability side, um, the intellectual property side. Once the um, TV commercial or or um, or something is uh, is made, so there's certainly uh, unique uniquenesses across all of our product lines. Um, but uh, you know, a personal passion for for me is uh, is the small business insurance. To be to be fair. Well, now tell us about this survey, which I found fascinating. But I don't want to say anything because I'd like you to tell it, uh, tell our audience. Well, yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate that. So, um, I'll say kind of what it is, and then and then I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about kind of why we did it and uh, and so forth. So. We, it is. It is uh, as we can understand, and we did a, a, a bunch of digging around before we before we launched it. We, we do believe it is the first of its kind. Um, it is a it is a survey that helps to um, benchmark uh, courage uh, across America, both across the, just the general population of America, and also um, specifically with small business owners. It's a, it's a survey that we conducted um, earlier this year. Is a survey that we we um, put out into the marketplace. We had six, over six thousand people that responded to it, and it measures um, various aspects, different dimensions of uh, of courage, whether that's you know, straight business courage, um, um, social courage, emotional courage, moral moral courage, et cetera. So there's different dimensions of of uh, and aspects to courage. We we really wanted to to provide ourselves a, a, a benchmark. Um, for what for what we thought courage was was all about, um, and it's one of those. You've heard the the, the the phrase if you can't if you can't measure it then you can't you know manage it, and we 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 
talk about the you know the, the home of the brave and and so forth. And I think generally speaking, Americans w- Americans would say that they're generally courageous. Well, we we kind of wanted to find out wh- where we where we as a country stood, and uh, and wanted to to be able to to dimensionalize that. And and part of the reason why we wanted to do that, especially for small business owners, is because um, as a company that sp- spends an awful lot of time focusing on and providing products for small business owners small business owners to be a small business owner you you need to really be brave uh and and oftentimes they get very little credit for uh, for 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 taking the leap and starting a small business there there's, there's really oftentimes nobody in their corner saying that's a great job you're doing you're doing you're doing well you're doing fantastic or or even more encouraging you know you can do it and so forth and and uh and and so we wanted to understand better um, where they stood, where we stood as a country, where they stand as a, as a group of small business owners, to give them a, a, a benchmark to to, to um, see for themselves. Well, hey, should should I be more courageous? Am I as courageous as the average small business owner in across America or in my state or whatnot? So um, we have a, a, a tool uh, that people can go and take the take the uh, assessment themselves uh, and so forth. But. So that's the that's kind of what it is and uh and, and the reason behind uh, behind doing it. And we and we will do this um survey uh periodically from from uh from this point going forward. So we'll be able to to benchmark the changes in uh, in how America um views themselves uh, regarding courage. Well, you know, a small business someone who launches it uh, I've often said is they uh, they uh, jump off a cliff and hope somebody's building a swimming pool before they land. <laughs> well, I, I can I can tell you that um, you know there there is a there is this fine line between uh, between hobby and and mental illness, and I think that uh, there are a lot of small business owners that that uh, they're right they're right up to that that line. You know, they have got a passion, a strong passion to do something that they've always loved and. and uh, and uh, they 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 really do need to uh, to to be creative. I take my hat off to small business owners across America all the time. They they are an inspiring bunch. Well, let me ask you: Did your study find that uh, uh, what types of courage does a small business person have that um, um, other people don't uh, don't have? What are the differences? Yeah, there are there's some there's some pretty notable differences to to be honest with you, Don. One of the things that's, that that that, uh, that that stuck out, especially regarding um, just generally all of the different elements of of courage, um, you know, aggregated together, business owners in in America were were on average about just under twenty percent more courageous than the general population. So they their outlook in their in their um, Ability to uh, embrace risk, which is kind of the, the the backbone of what courage is. They they tended to 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 be able to do that in a, to a greater degree than the uh, than the average uh, than the average American. So that was that was uh, that was one thing. They they also had um, they also had a little bit more confidence in the uh, in the economy. So that their their view of the economic outlook uh, was uh, was a little bit. Uh, better, if you will, they have more confidence in the in the long term uh, health of the economy than the average the average person. Um, they uh, 
they 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 also talked about um, their ability to be to be focused on on how how they would grow their 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 business and be and be smart about it. Things like, you know, I'm I'm going to be more careful with my money. I'm going to be um, thinking about decreasing debt. Uh, and I think in in large part that uh, while we don't have the, the exact answer to this, I think it may be um, somewhat attributable to the fact that really small business owners their their personal fortune and their business fortune is is oftentimes it's essentially the same thing. So they've always got one eye on the on uh, on the on the on the business balance sheet, or both eyes on the business balance sheet, and sometimes essentially what's left over is what, is what they have to work with it on the home front. So so they they tend to be the uh, uh, laser focused on costs and so forth, and uh, and because that sometimes can be variable for a small business owner, as opposed to much more predictable for a, for for somebody who's uh, who's, uh, who's working for somebody else. Keep going. Um, your yeah, I think that, yeah, I think I think there's a couple of other things that I thought really caught at least caught my eye. One, um, one was uh, across the country. Um, there was some regional differences, Don. The, That's what I thought. Yeah, there, there. It's it, in your intuition is right. They, um, the, the aggregated up together. I'm going to call it the the Pacific. You know, sort of like the the west coast of the of the country, sort of you know California on up to Washington um, State plus Alaska and Hawaii. All those states together, they were they were about um, they're about sixty plus percent more courageous than 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 um, than the than the south central portion of the U.S. South central. So the biggest difference was between the the far west coast and say um uh Kentucky, Alabama, um, Tennessee and, and and Mississippi, those four states together versus the uh, five states of the Pacific. Um we I think I have a, a hypothesis about that, which is you know the 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 west coast is really it's a, it's an incubation engine. Um there's a lot of uh a lot of small business startups. Obviously Silicon Valley is is contained within those states. Um, Seattle is a hotbed of, of, of innovation and, and, and creativity, with you know, the Microsoft plus all the offshoots of what Microsoft uh, does and and, uh, and and the people that they attract there. Um, and, and so that's a, that's an extreme. That's a that's a real extreme. That whole 63 percent difference in you know, the delta. Even even for places like New England and and, the, and uh, in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, you know, you think about. Um, you know Yankee ingenuity, and and uh, you know you, you got to lean into to, into uh, some opportunity, and and, uh, and and Boston being a little bit of a high tech highway, and there's there there there's no slouch in developing new products and new businesses and so forth. Even even in that chunk of the country, in the in the in the Northeast, um, that whole West Coast was was um, uh, 37% more courageous as as we measured it. So there's a real a real um, sense of um, of can-do attitude. And, uh, and a real sense of um, embracing this, this, the the unknown and and risk and ambiguity and so forth. So we, we I mean, that that to me was really really interesting to to see those differences. That's by geography. When we when we looked at it by by age. It's, this was this was also fairly fairly interesting, and it may be it may be intuitive um, to to your listeners, but. We found we found um, kind of two, you know, 
more courage at, at, at the ends of the age spectrum. And so what I mean by that is the most courageous group of people are aged 65 and over, the most courageous. The next most courageous were aged 18 to 24. And then, and then after, after this 18 to 24 age cohort, the next chunk of, of age range was 25 to 34. So you're you know, sort of mid to late 20s on into your um, early to mid 30s. Th- there, was, there was almost a 10% drop from these 18 to 24-year-olds to this sort of late 20 to early 30-year-olds. Um, and, and then it just, it just um, continuously, systematically, slowly built over the years until you get to the 65 plus, and then once you get to 65, there was a little bit of a of an actual uptick. So it's almost linear from early uh, mid 30s on up to 65, and then and then boom, over that um, people got kind of kind of courageous. And 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 so we didn't probe specifically. We have a couple of um, hypotheses about that, and which is essentially you know you're 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 in your up to your early 20s, uh, a you've, you you may be a bit a bit more naive, and so therefore uh, willing to take risk that you that, that you may you may not perceive it as a risk, but it could be a big risk. And then once you've once you've essentially um, you know got something to lose, or you are a bit more aware of of how the world could work and some of the potential dangers, then you, then you get a little bit more cautious. And then over over time, you um, you you understand more about how the world works and you become more. Aware of of, of of how you can add value and and uh, and make your way in the you know in the in the working world or just in the world in general and then and then the 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 little uptick after 65 we think it's just people retiring and saying look I've I've I'm I'm at where I'm at I've got either financial freedom or I'm gonna I just I just sort of know where I'm where I stand and and I'm I'm not really at risk of of um, of any major you know you know something you know really really uh, catastrophic happening to me business-wise. So they, there is a, uh, is a marked uptick. So we found those, those things um, to, be, to be just, um, just, you know, just fascinating. So we will um, continue to dig in um, an, an awful lot more uh, over the next uh, few months. We've got um, an awful lot of data yet to go through because we did cut the information uh, by – we asked people, that is uh, – uh, what state they lived in, and, and so forth. So, and what what uh, I think even what uh, city, what you know, large metropolitan area. So, we will be over the next few weeks digging into the data even more uh, to determine is you know is is New York more courageous as a population than say you know Chicago or LA or you know whatever. So, it'll be it'll make for some really interesting stories. And because we're going to be doing this over time, we're going to be measuring this. This um, over time, we'll be able to understand uh, how how the, the the courage meter, if you will, how it moves, and is there is there any change, and is there any relationship to uh, to, to business in general or the economy or anything else? So, a lot well, more to come. Me, let me ask you this question: uh, in the group, the age groups, that's usually the age group when you marry. Is being married? Are you more or less courageous? You know, um, I think if you're married, you are a bit more courageous. You've got a you've got a partner, obviously, and, and uh, so you're in it together. You got somebody to somebody to um, to uh, commiserate with, and and, uh, and and so forth. And I think that you know, once you once you marry, you're, you're a bit whether you're economically more settled or, or not. Uh, we don't know the answer to that, but um, you you have taken a huge a huge step 
in your in your life. So it's it is uh, it is a question that's been it's been answered. You're sort of embarked on a particular path. But I think there is a, a uh, that is a factor. Well, we we've, we've done our own studies here at Small Business Digest, and uh, one of the things that we found was that uh, married uh, entrepreneurs tend to be more risk takers than unmarried. Uh, once you get up above 30, 30. But below that, um, it, it is the, the single individuals that tend to be more entrepreneurial. And you know, yeah, I th- there, there, that is a that is a um, an interesting uh, a distinction that you made. We we do make a distinction between the entrepreneurial mindset and the small business owner mindset. And, and, and I often I often um, you know, I often quip to my my uh, my marketing um, department that you know a, a small business uh, sorry an, a young entrepreneur uh, they want to conquer the world and in uh, a small business owner uh, they just want to conquer their calendar they want to they want to you know they're building a lifestyle that you know they're not repeating that one. Yeah, I guess what. <laughs> yeah, first, first, no, no problem, Don. The the small the, the the young entrepreneur wants to conquer the world, and the small business owner wants to conquer their calendar. Wonderful, wonderful comment. A, a wonderful comment, it's, it's, and I think very accurate. Uh, very, very accurate. Uh, we have a little time. Can you give us a couple of more? Uh, Gems from this survey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we think um, you know we th- we um, we looked at uh, um, some of the some of the millennial res- res- responses, and um, you know they tw- twenty nine percent of the millennial uh, respondents uh, either bought or started uh, a new business in the in the past year. So those people who are uh, who are born up to nineteen ninety, so they're uh, they they tend to be up to you know maybe maybe thirty five years old um, or, or, or so. And uh, I'm sorry, 25 years old or, or up into their um, or, or early 40s. Um, so 29 percent of these millennials uh, uh, bought or started uh, a business in the past year versus people who are um, 55 years or older. They, they, they only 13 percent of those you know bought or started a business. So, so it really the, the, the big takeaway there, Don, was that um, the, the people who are most inclined to start uh, a, a new business. Tend, tend to be, and we've seen this. This, this bears out in our um, our own um, small business and bu- book of business. They, they they do really tend to be um, in their in their early uh, in their early to mid 30s when they when the average person um, starts their their business. Because again, the, the, and this is the distinction. You know, I made you know kind of a joke about the entrepreneur versus the versus the uh, the small business owner. What what tends to, what we see across the country and what tends that to to uh, we think. Uh, be it play out across uh, multiple business segments and industries is that somebody goes into business or they go to business for somebody else. They they learn a, a, a trade, they learn a profession, they learn, learn a craft. They get they get good at it and they hone their skills by working somewhere else. And and there comes a time when they they want to step out. They want to uh, they want to own their own business. They want to uh, you know make their own decisions, be be their own you know master of their own destiny, etc. And so they take all those learnings, and and they've got a great set of skills, and then they open up their own shop, and and that that tends to be in this um, this space where they've they've uh, learned a trade or they've gone to college, and then and then um, developed you know around about ten years worth of skills, and 
for a variety of reasons, some of which we, we know and some of which we can just um, try, try to infer. Uh, at about that 10-year mark, they, they, they open up their own shop. We've yep. seen that. We've seen that too. Uh, have you? Um, uh, does your research indicate anything about why? Uh, is there a difference in courage between people who stay in large organizations and those that go out on their own? No, we didn't get into that level of level of detail, and I think that. Um, after, after for, for myself, being you know, the bulk of my career was being it was with very, very, very large uh, companies. Twenty years with you know, like with Fortune 50 companies. I do think that that mindset is vastly different than than a small business owner. Don't, I mean, again, just sort. Of, um, I started. I, w- I went to work business career-wise with really big companies, but I, I grew up uh, in in small business. You know, all my life in, in, in small business with my parents and and uh, my wife and I in a restaurant. So I've been surrounded by small business my whole life. Even though I've, I've, I've the, my main career has been with these really massive global companies, so it's been a, it's been an interesting dichotomy of, of 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 experiences over the years. And I do think that that by a by a wide margin, the small business owner is is more courageous. Uh, I would tend to agree with you. Um, be interesting uh, over time to do a study seeing the differences especially with the large corporations changing as they are yeah it's funny we we didn't ask if they if they weren't a small business owner and and they were employed then they're working somewhere else uh, they may be working in a small firm and just not the owner or they could be working for a medium to large firm I'm pretty confident that we didn't ask um, what size company they worked for if they didn't own a company, but um, but I agree with you that would be an interesting an interesting uh, question to ask and get the get the data broken out on that. Uh, Russ, um, as you dig through this, I hope you come back and tell us more because it's fascinating. Can people see more of the survey and how do they find it? Yep, they can go. Um, we're doing some maintenance on the site at the moment, but they can go to um, encouragecourage.com in about a day or so and uh, and do two things there. They can uh, they can download uh, a report, uh, an, an overview of the report, and get more information there. And they can also uh, take the American Courage Index by Hiscox um, self-assessment, so then they can benchmark themselves against the rest of the country. Fascinating, fascinating. One of the most fascinating studies I've seen in a long time. You're to be congratulated. Okay. Thanks very much for that. And uh, yeah, as we sift through this, I'd love to come back in in, uh, in another few months, uh, either when we ha- have more information about this study, or we have another round of information to compare uh, this study to. Oh, we'd love to have you. Please keep us in in your roller decks. <laughs> Thanks very much. I really enjoyed being here. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at 
smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.